Okay, five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh, and this is the WDMA, and we're going to talk direct mail and direct marketing and stuff and have a lot of good fun. And, of course, we've got a new thing coming up uh, Thursday, and you can go over to WDMA.org and find the meetup thing. And I think I got the, I, I meant to get the moving one, but I got the flat one. But anyway, Thursday, 2 p.m., the Style Consultant will be here live and making sure I don't talk too much so everybody will get a chance to say something. And usually we talk about our challenges and what we're really good at. And uh, a lot of times it even means some business. So don't think it's just fun and games around here. The WDMA is open for business. <laughs> Anyway, let's get over to the user-generated content, which is what this show is basically about. It's me generating content. Anyway, so, Tom Fishburne, I might want to make this a little bigger. My eyes, you know. I don't know why it's so tiny. It's the same for you, whether, you, whether I see it big or small. That's the funniest part. Okay, we want you to work on our new campaign. Great, what's the budget? <laughs> There's no budget. It's user-generated content. You'll get paid an exposure. UGC is more authentic content because you can express how you really feel. Oh, I will, all right. And, you know, it, like Tom says, this isn't anything he's going to, we'll read it, what he has to say down in the, in the below there. Uh, this isn't anything new. You know, almost every client I've ever worked for said, well, why don't we, you know, why don't we see how it works and then we'll pay you. And um, at the beginning, I kind of thought that was okay. You know, I mean, I didn't know it would work either. And uh, but, you know, then when it worked, they'd sell the company and, and I'd get fired. And then the next company would say, well, yeah, we know it worked for this company and this company, and this company, and this company, this, this, this. But how do we know it'll work for us? Well, you don't, but there's some upfront work and we, we want to get paid. So. A lot of times I would just walk away from clients and uh, I walked away from Blockbuster as, a, as one example. I walked away from Encyclopedia Britannica. I probably could think of probably a dozen that I that I walked away from. At least a half a dozen are springing into my head right now. So anyway, um, sometimes if you're a creator, you got to walk away. You got to say, well, you know, that's nice. Take your chances with your own IT department. <laughs> That's where you got how you got to where you are. But we changed the valuation of companies. So anyway, the power of user-generated content, I understand this is a little hard to read, is nothing new, as I'm saying right now. But the light bulb went on when Nathan Apodaca, maybe, Apodaca, his truck broke down on the way to work, and so he's drinking some uh ocean spray cranberry juice and he's riding his one wheel and uh and he's singing or whatever to uh Fleetwood Mac dream and getting to work and uh it went viral viral I saw it I don't think I I don't think I put it on the show because I couldn't figure out why I would but uh it went super viral and Fleetwood Mac for the first time in 50 years got on the charts and uh and <laughs> Excuse me. And Ocean Spray Cranberry Juice uh, gave him a truck, pickup truck, full of Ocean Spray Cranberry Juice stuff. He's got like a lifetime supply uh, for for helping him out. And I'm sure they did okay on the deal, too. So 59% of people reported that 
user-generated content, content was the most authentic form of content. Now, if you've seen the, uh, the Shed at Dulwich session, and if you haven't, you should go look for it. Maybe I'll put a link somewhere. The Shed at Dulwich was a restaurant that got invented out of thin air by a guy who wrote fake reviews of products. He got paid 10 to $20 per fake review. And so he just built a restaurant. He bought a burner phone, you know, pay-as-you-go phone. So he had a phone number so he could register on TripAdvisor. And he uh, put up reviews of the food and pictures. And, you know, we actually watched an Italian movie that was a takeoff on this. And uh, it was about a... A restaurant that was started in an insane asylum, and they were they they had the they had the urinal cake uh, on a with a fried egg on a on a person's foot in a picture, and that was actually one of the pictures that the shed at Dulwich used. And so, uh, you know, the funny part about user generated content is that it can be complete lies. <laughs> and the shed at Dulwich ended up getting to be the number one rated restaurant in London by TripAdvisor. Completely fake. And it's a great story uh, because if you think that's the only fake thing that ever happened on the internet, well, you don't watch the news. <laughs> anyway, so uh, now, you know, some authentic brands are trying to get their creative people to work for nothing. Um, although usually what we try to do is we try to figure out a way, like I'm in the midst of a of a new campaign for a retailer. And what we're trying to figure out is how to reward actual testimonials, actual people who really do have good stories, which is user-generated content. We're trying to get a theme around um, uh, around the, most, the, the meaningful and emotional parts of your life. And uh, it sounds like a Kodak moment kind of campaign. I'll have to go back and review Kodak moments. But anyway, um, so you got to be careful. There's there's uh, people deserve to be paid, and that's a probably a foundational principle. Um, but creators will tell you what they really think if you don't pay them properly. This is a funny graph because we're going to do a Mark Ritson, and, and he he slams this stuff like he's going to slam the projected, you know, where we go. This I saw a graph about AI. I posted it on the show, where they where they had all these graphs and they had and they had AI kind of going on like this. And they said if you don't get into AI, it's going to cost you six trillion dollars or something. And then they had this arrow. And then there was a little asterisk at the bottom of the graph that said, you know, all data after this point is made up, is projected or something. And uh, that's what this is. Okay, but what if our viral, what if our video doesn't go viral? Yeah, that's a forecast. If it goes viral. Well, here's here's the worst of it. Here's the ice bucket challenge. Remember that? It worked to raise awareness of ALS. Let's see if it will make our new flavor of Puff Krispies go viral. Not likely. That's why you want to test. Well, we need to boost sales as a viral video. On the count of three, do something funny. Okay, and now we're going to get over to the digital world, direct to consumer. Uh, after an earnings whiff, and what that means is a brief brush with profitability, Warby Parker can learn something from old school direct to consumer brands. And this is by Steve Dennis. Wait, before we get to that, I'm going to go over here. 
Heineken pokes fun at the Metaverse bandwagon by jumping on it with zero-taste beer. If you haven't heard about it and you haven't seen it in the stores, Heineken's come out with a new Heineken Silver. Heineken Silver, you see that? Silver. Heineken Silver. And it's zero-taste pixel beer for the Metaverse. And I just thought, and then there's a whole article about... I hope it isn't too expensive. <laughs> okay, and this is just a super excellent article, so let's camp out here a little bit. Okay, Warby Parker is the latest digital native vertical brand. That's a DNVB, in case you don't remember. <laughs> to disappoint investors, right? Because, you know, they're going up, 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 because the Internet's going to expand forever, except there's only so many people. <laughs> Who are going to care to go on the internet for your brand? Not many. A very small subset of anybody who's even bought from you, much less heard of you. So, continuing a striking but increasingly familiar pattern of profitless prosperity. Profitless prosperity. What a great, what a great term. Profitless prosperity from distribute from disruptor brands. In just the past couple of weeks, Stitch Fixed, Allbirds, Figs, and Real Real have reported strong sales growth, yet widening losses. You need a really mean CFO. That's why I'm a big fan of CFOs. They can make things profitable, even if it's by cutting all the marketing budget and seeing what happens. If you don't test, your CFO will test. <laughs> I can tell you. That's a great principle. If you don't do a holdout test, you're... CFO is going to cut your budget, and that's the truth. At the same time, many old-school direct-to-consumer brands are killing it, generating substantial revenues, and I hope you're sitting down for this, actually making money. Yeah, that's what we were forced to do. We were forced into it, you know? Unbelievable. William, companies like Williams-Sonoma, L.L. Bean, Land's End in Wisconsin, and Talbots, who shut down their catalog for a couple of years, but at least got smart enough to bring it back after they went on under, kind of, and got bought and sold by some people who actually knew what they were doing. Okay, we, you know, that's what hap was what was happening in the last decade or the previous decade, from about from about ought ought to about ten, was that a lot of companies were getting bought, and a lot of catalog companies were getting bought by people who said, well, we can go all digital. We won't waste these, you know, $5 million a year or $10 million a year on a catalog. Never mind we're bringing in a half a billion. That, that we're getting 5,000% return on investment on the catalog, uh, a return on ad spend, rather. It's not the same. Don't get confused. Okay, so these guys were started in a pre-digital world. That's where I came from. <laughs> and have grown to be significant profitable businesses. While some had financial issues over the year, yeah, mostly because they... J. Crew, we did a whole show on that. It's a case study. J. Crew, the president of the, the CEO, said, We moved to digital too fast. Too much too fast. Yeah, they just canceled their catalog. You couldn't find their catalog on the internet. They didn't just they didn't just cut back to the people who love their catalog. They just said, "Well, screw that. We're just going to do digital. We don't have to waste money on a catalog." And then the next CEO didn't put it back really, and then the next CEO. So, yeah. So, don't talk to me about financial issues, you know. I was I was working the day Sears 
canceled their catalog because some, and again, this is, if you don't test, if you don't prove what you're doing is making money, your CFO will test it by canceling it. So 800 people got fired at Sears in one day. I knew some of them. And the saddest part was it was a $5 billion catalog operation. And 10% of their revenue went back to the stores. So they were, in, in the real world, they were making more money than the stores. But they were running at about break even or a little below after the 10% got taken away. Who gets 10%? So the stores loved it. You know, they made more money on the catalog, the stores did, than they did on their own operations. They were running break even or below, but the catalog was pushing them above. And so the accountants, who didn't know any better, said, well, the catalog is unprofitable. The stores are where all the profit is. Yeah, because the catalog gave them big checks of just pure money. Yeah, downhill from there. Anyway, so... These analog native vertical brands created a familiar playbook that today's newer vertically integrated brands now follow. They built their brands primarily without stores on some rumor. Instead, these other guys used mail order catalogs. Can you imagine mail order catalogs? Well, I'll tell you what. There's a whole lot of density in a mail order catalog. Here we got a mail order catalog. This is the, the Bass Pro Shops. When you look at the amount, you know, I would love to know just what the hard drive storage of one of these catalogs, just, just the pictures. What, how many terabytes of information is this? I'll tell you one thing. It's way bigger than your website. Okay, What you're sending here is so much bigger than a website, and I can access it. I did a demo a couple of weeks ago when that first came of how fast I could find the fishing rods in it. There I go. It took me like one second. Try finding anything, even on their own website. Be lucky to find it that fast. Even typing it in, fishing rods. And I get the whole smattering. But one thing that you'll never get is the scope, the feel, the heft of that catalog. Nobody can compete with that. Nobody can just knock off Bass Pro. They can knock off their website. You know, somebody could do an in fishing, inshore, uh, you know, surf casting website and look as good or better than theirs a page at a time. They can't rep replicate replicate this huge heft, the weight, all of the information. They just can't. I mean, this thing is 600 pages, right? Okay. So anyway. Um, so the catalogs leverage data science. Yeah, we invented it pretty much in the catalog industry. And they retain through targeted direct marketing. Okay, and by direct marketing, we mean testing. As profitable growth became difficult, they opened brick and mortar locations in areas where they already had established customer base. But also, because we knew what we we're doing, we could, in some cases, increase these year-over-year same-store sales dramatically because we had the customers' names, not like most retailers who don't really keep track of stuff. Now nah, they're getting better, but they don't know what to do with it. Okay, so here's the tips. Become more precise in all marketing efforts. Make the marketing work for its dinner, right? Or as I said, in spinning straw into gold, if they don't spin the straw into gold, kill them in the morning. 
If you're ignoring the cost of stimulating demand among existing customers, you know, Patrick over at Lovesack said, why should we mail to people who already know what we sell? We should be finding new customers. And I said, that's exactly, you know, that's a great question. Maybe it's true. Let's find out. He said, you can find out. I said, absolutely. You know, and to his credit, he let me. And what we did was the holdout test. The famous holdout test. If we stop doing this, will anything, will it matter? And, I, and the CFO will find out for you. Uh, but it might be too late to save the company by then, right? And so uh, what we did was we didn't mail 10% of what we were planning to mail. And yes, that does take away some profits. But only in the short term. It teaches also, it teaches you that you can find out some things for sure, for certain, absolutely. Because mail has engagement that no other medium has. And we know who looked at it and didn't buy. That's the piece that's missing in every other media. Okay, so we tried not mailing some of the customers and we found out that, guess what? The ones we mailed were worth 300% EBITDA more money, okay? So if a lot of customers in your file don't buy unless you give them a big discount, maybe they're not that into you. But you know what? For Musician's Friend, we separated the sale buyers from the regular buyers so that we quit mailing them so many offers. A lot of the musicians didn't want the sale item. They wanted the right item. Okay, well, let's not tantalize them with the sale offers. There were some other buyers, you know, in a, in a file of 15 million. There's some people who will only buy on sale, right? So send it to them. And we can go deeper into them if we don't erode the margin on our most profitable buyers. Which makes sense. Anyway, there's a lot you can do. Be more precise. And if you're not dealing with these accounting issues. If you're a CFO by some miracle watching this and you say, I'm not sure our marketing people understand this. Well, first of all, join the WDMA, put in a couple of hundred bucks, support this effort, and then give me a call and we'll talk. We'll talk about how we can elevate their learning, how we can test, teach them to test, how we can teach them to be more fiscally responsible, not just throw things at the wall. Okay. Don't open a bunch of stores until deep under, deeply understanding key performance drivers with testing. That's the way it is. That's the way we do it. Don't extrapolate total addressable market from the first few years of revenue. Right. You got to test and roll out. We taught that to IBM. They didn't listen. It's one thing to have customers find you. It's another thing to discount heavily and pay Google, Facebook, and the other advertising toll booth operators vast sums vast sums to incentivize trial, right? And a lot of times what we see when I actually help, the, and believe me, I've had over 70 catalog companies come to me for help, okay? So, uh, and some beautiful, wonderful stories that'll probably apply to you guys. Uh, and and so sometimes uh, when we when they come for help, we figure out a way to actually, you know, cut way back on the digital. The digitally acquired customers are almost never worth mailing this catalog to. That's something that really ought to scare you, okay? It's not. It's that they're so worthless that we can't even mail them. So why are we bothering with them? You know, we're just... We're just kidding ourselves. What we want is the customer who wants to come to us on their own. 
you know, we'll give them good service. We'll give them a good price. We'll ship it promptly. All those things that Amazon promises, we'll do that. But we want them to come on their own. And that is the magic of direct marketing because we can figure that out. Have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Get over to WDMA. We'll do flashing stuff. Get over to WDMA. And the Zoom link is there. You can register. It'd be great if you do. Uh, let us know you're coming. Um, it helps the style consultant. But uh, Thursday, 2 p.m. Chicago time. Bye-bye.